more than anything, the work that sustains me, the work that moves me, the work that in moments when I think could have been a lawyer, (laughs) the moments that keep me on fire, that keep me cooking, are those moments when I get a chance to meet people who haven't given up. People who, who have a fundamental faith in something deeper, larger, something that might, at the moment when I meet with them, elude their grasp or have eluded their grasp at some point in their lives. These people are tenacious. They've been to synagogues, they've been to churches, they've been to mosques. And they keep coming back. This time. This time someone will say the thing that I need to hear. This time someone will meet me. This time someone won't judge us. Who are we to judge? Said one religious figure this week. This time. My deep yearning for God will be met by an equally deep response. I still have the questions, Rabbi. But the answers that I was given were so painful that I spent 40 years after my bar mitzvah not coming into synagogues, said one man to me this week. So moved was I, sitting with him and with others, at how much, how much faith, how much faith And perseverance, the Spirit holds for us, you know. Each and every one of us here participates in what Michael Walzer wrote about in his book, Exodus and Revolution. He wrote, we still believe, or at least many of us do, what the Exodus first taught about the meaning and possibility of politics and about its proper form. First, that wherever you live, it is probably Egypt. Second, that there is a better place, a world more attractive, a promised land. And third, that the way to the land is through the wilderness. There is no way to get from here to there except by joining together and marching. Those three moments... The fundamental belief that wherever we are, to some degree, is our Egypt. Politically, personally, existentially. That there is a promised land. There's a place to get to. There's progress. There's where it could be better. And the realization that I can't get there unless I go through this wilderness this unknown territory, this this scary place, and that marching together, joining hands and hearts and voices is what it takes. Every single year, when we come to this moment, this Shabbat, which is the Shabbat before Elul, the Hebrew month that begins the high holiday prep, 
The month of Elul is the month of introspection and reflection that precedes Rosh Hashanah. And it will be this week. Every year, I think that we are about to, we are standing before, if not the promised land, physically, but in time. We are at the sacred liminal space. As Moses is standing in this week's reading, Parshat Re'eh, talking to the Jewish people about what it will be like when you actually enter into the land we are sitting, each and every one of us here, about to embark on the last stage, the last leg of a journey that will culminate in maybe a better year. And I know if you're like me, the high holidays, when they come around, I think, can I skip this? Maybe if you've been to Rome a couple of times, maybe it's a little bit different, or some other amazing synagogues that are slightly different. And Moses, in this week's reading, says something that I think each and every one of us can take into the high holidays. Something that I think is consistent with the notion of revolution, of exodus, not in space but in time, being released from the place of narrowness into the place of expansion. And Moses speaking to the Israelites as they are preparing to cross over. Behold, he says, look, reflect. I am giving you today the blessing and the curse. Choose the blessing. And one little word shouldn't be there. One word that had it been omitted from Moses' declaration, would have made it equally powerful. Behold, I place before you the blessing and the curse. Would sound just as good. Why does Moses have to say, Behold, I place before you today. Hayom. Hayom, today. And all of the Hasidic masters, started with the Midrashim, it makes its way through the Hasidic masters, say a very fundamental point. Every moment is Hayom. You don't have to wait to get to the promised land. Your preparation to enter the promised land is Hayom. It is today. Each and every single day, says Moses, you have the opportunity to tap in, to access, to mine, to cultivate, to locate to discover, to recover, to reclaim the power of Hayom. And that, my friends, in reading that, I understood why we break the glass under the chuppah. What? (laughs) Every Jewish wedding is made up of circles and lines. Teach the Kabbalah. The circle of the ring around the finger of time, the linearity of time, you see? In Kabbalah, lines have a beginning, middle, and end. There's progress. And circles are beautiful. They're relational. But we cycle around over and over again. Groundhog's Day is Hayom in infinity. It's today is every day. And say the Kabbalists that when we stomp on the glass, which is representative of the circle that was holding the wine of joy, that leg which represents a vector of 
of continuity, of progress, of exodus, of I'm leaving, smashes the circle of inevitability and says, love, love. Love will get me there. Love and a recognition of the possibility of Hayom, today, eternal moment, but embedded in time moving forward. I can do it. I can heal it. I can break the pattern. I can resist the urge. I can change. You can change. We can change. Every single moment of Hayom is an affirmation of the power of the human being to overcome the circle of inevitability, to rise above the factors and the forces that keep us stuck. And each and every one of us can stamp on that glass, says Moses, Hayom, today. We don't have to be at Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It starts on this side of the Jordan, says Moshe. It starts this week as we prepare for a 30-day journey into the promised land. The recognition that you have the power to heal the broken places. That you have the power to rebuild what has been destroyed. I was wondering how it was possible for someone to listen to the same song a thousand times. And that was me this week. Because I couldn't get a song out of my head. And my family can testify that. My wife, my wife came home today, yesterday, the whole week. I've got this song in my head. It's a song whose lyrics go like this. I can find them. Well, it doesn't matter. I know in my heart exactly. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen, in his incredible song, The Promised Land, writes, the dogs on Main Street howl because they understand. If I could seize the moment, he says. If I could seize the moment... That every promised land, every single hope that we have is predicated by a, a prior recognition that we can seize the moment. The promised land still rings true for you because you believe that you have the power to seize moments. If you didn't have that power, if you had already ceded that to a cynicism, then promised land would mean nothing. You wouldn't be here tonight. People wouldn't be coming to my couch to tell me, Rabbi, when I was 13, when I was 14. I wouldn't be sitting on a Joy Behar show with a priest and talking to him afterwards and saying, you too? Do you get all of the refugees from all of the bad clergy? Do you too have to work with people who have so much scar tissue around religion that they have an, it's, they have an allergy to hearing a good word? But people come because they believe that there is a promised land and that they can seize the moment. They understand it. They intuit it. And they persevere to protect it, to nurture it, 
and through its warmth and its light to come back to a place of connection. I dedicate tonight's sermon to all of you here who haven't given up on seizing the moment. And I invite you to begin this week to reflect on what it is, what it is that is going to be different about you in one month's time. How will this be the year when you capture the day?